0: and welcome to episode number 56 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 107 of WrestleTopia continues. Happy Wednesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was NXT 2.0 going down live from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida, and we kick things off at the semifinals of the Dusty Cup featuring the Grizz Young Veterans versus the Creed Brothers And this was a really good match as the Creed brothers took it to the vets early on by beating their asses on the main entrance ramp until Brutus got James Drake back in the ring with a series of overhead throws and just ragdolled his ass until he made the hot tack Julius Creed and Julius knew. There is a blind tag courtesy of Gibson from Drake, and he immediately clothesline Drake to the floor, followed by a nice missed drop kick to Gibson. He makes a hot tag to Brutus, and they deliver a series of knee strikes to the gut of Gibson. And then Julius picks up Brutus with an assisted gut wrench slam to Gibson. But eventually, Gibson throat checks Brutus Creed. And because of that, this leads to a slingshot courtesy of Gibson and Drake to Brutus, underneath the steel of the ring apron. And Brutus grabs his throat. He is choking. He cannot breathe. He is struggling for air. And the vets immediately go after Brutus Creed for a large portion of this match with an axe handle from the top rope, courtesy of Drake. Drake works on a chin lock to really constrict the breathing of Brutus. Brutus tries to fight back, but Gibson tagged in and continued to cut off the ring and put the boots to a ground at Brutus. We have a delayed vertical suplex by Brutus to Gibson, To really break up the monotony of this cell job and he does go in the corner to make the hot tag to Julius but he's cut off by James Drake who cuts the ring in half to avoid the hot tag but Julius does get in there and he cleans house on Drake and Gibson right hands for all whooping ass accordingly he puts Drake in a stretch muffler but Drake flips over and locks in a sleeper hold but Julius powers out of that in the nick of time but eventually we get some chicanery at ringside which allows James Drake to deliver a tope the to Julius Creed. They hit the doomsday device on Julius a short time later for a near fall. Brutus is a legal man. He's still going through it by really grabbing for his throat every time he's unable to breathe or catch his breath. And of course the vets go after him once again with several strikes to the face. They go up top for a tandem spot, but Julius recovers and he catapults off the back of Brutus delivers a superplex to Drake on the mat. And from there, we have that assisted slam courtesy of the Creeds to Gibson. But Brutus says, I'm the legal man. I got this. He delivers a gnarly clothesline to Gibson for the win as the Creed Brothers advance to the finals of the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. I really enjoyed this match. The vets are so good at telling a story and really bringing up the Creed Brothers to their level. This was a lot of fun to watch. The Creed Brothers had the fans on their feet during the closing moments, especially when Julius climbed off his brother's back to hit that superplex on Drake. That was great. They have had two great weeks against Imperium and now the Grizzly Young Veterans, and they're improving rapidly by working with great elite tag teams on NXT 2.0. I remember the very first time I saw them during the last day's of the NXT black and gold brand, I saw something in them immediately because they wrestled with absolute reckless abandon. Now it's a bit more controlled. They're a bit more refined now, but I just love their energy and what they bring to the ring. And the last two weeks have been exceptional for them. And I cannot wait to see what they're going to do in the finals of the Dusty Cup. This is probably their cup to lose At this point, because they have been impressive every step of the way. And Brutus and Julius are going to be a standout tag team for years to come if they continue to grow rapidly in the ring and on the mic. Next up is Tiffany Stratton versus Wendy Chu, And I got to say this with Tiffany Stratton. She's about 50% less annoying than she was two weeks ago because she worked my last nerve against Dio Shirai. And it was not a bad match, but her personality graded. Me to no end. The daddy's girl, the screaming, the pouting, the bad acting backstage alongside Wendy Chu—it was just bad shit. And she really got on my last nerve. This week, she was toned down a bit. She did cry about breaking her nail during a wrestling match. Well, don't wear fake nails to the ring, but I digress on that but she had a nice showing against Wendy Chu who is always good in the ring I think this gimmick now is starting to reveal itself regarding its limitations last week the fans were not really buying into the sleeping leg hold this week they were a bit more into let me stretch into my submission attempt let me go to sleep on this splash it's a bit better but I think the fans want to see Wendy Chu kick ass exclusively and not sleep so much even though I do love the character from a behind the scenes standpoint and she did commit a felony last week by selling and sp- Spending money off of Tiffany Stratton's American Express black card. And she bought herself and Amari Miller gifts. And the card was canceled, thankfully. But that is still a crime, Wendy. But I digress. Now, back to the ring. Renny does deliver that overhead throw to Stratton. She goes for the handspring in the corner. But Tiffany blocks it. And she cries about her nail being broken. And I'm like, toughen up. Do your job. But Tiffany does get it together. And she lands her handspring with that clothesline for good measure. And she hits a nice twisting corkscrew splash for the win a nice win for tiffany stratton and i'm impressed by her more and more from an entering standpoint she's got something i still don't like this one-dimensional clueless legally blonde character but i'm learning to cope because she's less annoying week to week which is progress you know what that is growth you know what that is paying attention to what's not working and dialing back personality a bit to make it less annoying not only for myself but for the viewing audience as a whole and that means someone's listening and maybe Tiffany realizes hey this ain't it this isn't me completely I'm gonna tone things down a bit and let my in-ring work speak for itself which is good it's coming along nicely for a limited time in a professional wrestling setting next up is Pete Dunn versus Draco Anthony, and Draco's been courted by Joe Gacy and Harlan saying, hey, listen, lost last week, but we can give you the enlightenment you need in order to get your first win on 2.0, and Draco Anthony kind of turns down their advice, but they watch high above from the balcony, and Pete Dunn basically puts in that work on Draco Anthony. Draco goes with a stump on the fingers of Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn says, "Uh uh-uh, that's what I do. He stumps on Draco's fingers, and he proceeds to chop this dude, but Draco... Kind of fires up a bit. It's a little bland in terms of firing up. But he delivers a nice clothesline to Pete Dunne. Tosses him around a bit. And he's on top of things until he looks up at Gacy one too many times. And he's distracted, which allows Pete Dunne to take over. So Pete Dunne is at the ringside area. And we have Tony D'Angelo with a crowbar trying to attack Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne beats his ass, shoots him away. He delivers a nice snap, German suplex to Draco Anthony, followed by the bitter end for the win. And Pete Dunne throws Everything in the ring, including trash cans, steel chairs, a toolbox, chains, the cricket bat. And he wants to have a steel cage match against Tony D'Angelo that is going to be weaponized in nature. A weaponized steel cage match. Tables, chairs, chains, crowbars cricket bats baseball bats you name it they want weapons adorned on the cage to really up the ante for vengeance day next tuesday on sci-fi and tony d'angelo agrees to the step as the segment comes to an end and d'angelo has been more impressive in the ring week by week but sometimes you do need a little covering a little protection via gimmicks cover up the greenness of d'angelo sometimes but he has been over delivering as of late and i expect similar results via this weaponized steel cage match against the bruiserweight pete Dunne during next week's nxt vengeance day Next up is LA Knight versus Sanja. And this match was kind of there. I got to say that Sanja looked like a swole VOD villain. Remember the tag team from the OG NXT days, Aiden English, And Simon Gouch, the VOD villains, I love them as a tag team. Way back when, Sanja was giving me VOD villain energy, which was great. The match was fine for what it was. LA Knight was fighting from underneath the entire time. Grayson Waller removes the top turnbuckle at one point. And the referee sees this. He tells us to get down. But that allows LA Knight to slam Sanja face first against that exposed turnbuckle before hitting a net breaker for the win. And apparently, this lifts the restraining order that Grayson Waller had on LA Knight as he beats Grayson Waller's ass. He said headlock driver for good measure, but apparently Grayson Waller wants LA Knight arrested for touching him because he did not lift that restraining order. I guess that'll come next week during Vengeance Day, but we shall see as this feud between Waller and LA Knight must continue. Next up is the championship summit between NXT champion Braun Breaker and Santos Escobar from Legado de Fantasma. Braun Breaker is a savvy champion, noting that these things don't tend to work well. We don't tend to agree. We argue, we fight, so let's flip the table and get to brawling right now ahead of our NXT title match next Tuesday. Santos says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm calm. I'm cool. I'm collected. You're the hothead here. I love Bond Breaker. I love him as an NXT champion. He's a future pillar in WWE and a WrestleMania main eventer to boot, but he needs to tone down on the Scott Steinerisms. He speaks in one tone, and that's loud, and I need some variety with this cadence how he speaks he needs to calm down a bit speak a bit more naturally he's got the confidence but just try to offer shades of color via his promos he'll be much better he's 24 years old he's gonna get there in time but he's very one note speaking as loud as possible by channeling his uncle every step of the way then we get a shock of shocks with Dolph Ziggler appearing on NXT 2.0. This has been built up via social media the last few weeks as Bond Breakers called out Ziggler to appear on his show to work on Tuesdays. Ziggler now works on Tuesdays. He worked on Tuesdays on SmackDown Live several years ago. I do want to state that for the record, but he's here to talk about, hey, I'm next in line for this championship. I could go over my resume, but I won't. But you know who I am? Money in the Bank winner, won all the championships, U.S. in a Continental Tag Team. And World heavyweight champion, by the way. But the one thing I haven't won yet is that NXT championship. And I cannot wait to take it from you or Santos after next Tuesday's Vengeance Day. And that leads to Tomasa Ciampa coming out. And he says, well, 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 everybody wants a shot. I want my shot, too. And Dolph Ziggler is having none of it. As well as Santos Escobar saying, what the hell is going on here? This is our championship summit. It's got nothing to do with Ciampa or Ziggler. And Ziggler, you don't even go here. And the fans chant, you don't go here. In a nice nod to Bianca Belair and her classic line of, you don't even go here, which remains legendary from Full Cell to the WWE PC. And Ciampa is basically frenemies with Braun Breaker to get another shot at the NXT Championship at some point. And Ciampa tells Escobar to calm down a bit. But Ziggler, for the first time in maybe five years, has a great line that quiets. The PC and maybe humbles Champa in the process saying, look at you, Champa! Look at you. Coming to the same place every day for the last six or so years. Every week here in Orlando, in front of the same few hundred people that clap and cheer like seals, giving you that seal of approval because they're taught to, because they're told to do so. And at this point, aren't you tired of ducking and dodging the main roster? Don't you want to take off the helmet and the knee pads and the elbow pads and really get down and dirty with the big boys? And Ciampa immediately goes after Ziggler. They brawl on the outside. Breakers double teamed by Legado the Fantasma. He fins him off, but he's double teamed a short time later after he stares down. Santos Escobar once again, and that allows Roman Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde to powerbomb him through the table. He takes the bump. And Santos stands over him ahead of their NXT title match next Tuesday for NXT Vengeance Day. This was a nice segment. It segues into Ziggler working Tuesdays temporarily, feeding with Ciampa and Breaker. That should be a lot of fun. And Ziggler needs this. He needs this jolt of something fresh. I have not cared for this man in well over five years. And I was a diehard ride-or-die Dolph Ziggler supporter. I was a huge fan of his. I loved his selling. I loved his in-ring ability, but he has been a one-note character for far too long, despite the championships along the way. I'm over Dolph Ziggler, the character, in 2022. Maybe a change in scenery would give him that boost, that extra something-something to make him stand out in a big way. Maybe he works differently on 2.0. I will love to see it. Chopper will bring that out of you via his work rate. And I know Ziggler will bring out something in Breaker as well. And they will have great chemistry and the ring whenever the day comes for it. I will say that Ziggler gave me Tyler Breeze, five o'clock shadow vibes, hair and beard was on point. But I need more than that. I want Ziggler to really dig deep and find out what makes him tick as a performer in 2022 via NXT 2.0. If he can figure that out, that he would be a great asset to really get the next-gen stars over. He needs this just as much as they need his experience and his guidance in Orlando. I think he broke the crowd last night because they were never the same when he called them out. But where was the lie? When you're in the same place for X number of years and you have the same people showing up every few weeks— it does get numbing. And I love the PC crowd to a point, but I've been advocating for a change of scenery for a very long time. And we'll get that in a couple of months. When NXT travels to Dallas for Stand and Deliver, their first TakeOver adjacent show outside of Florida in well over two years. They need that atmosphere change. They need that change in scenery. It's desperately needed to hear people that goes beyond that echo chamber that will let you hear what you want to hear in terms of response. Because it's very Paolovian in nature. I get it. Ziggler told the truth. It might have been a bit too heavy. But hey, no lies were told, and that was probably his best line in God knows how long. Next up is Saray versus Dakota Kai, and this was a good match that started in picture in picture as Saray and Dakota Kai traded near falls, roll-ups at one point, stiff kicks along the way, a scorpion kick from Dakota Kai to Saray, and Saray blocks that face wash from Dakota Kai boots Dakota in the face a short time later before delivering that running a Drop kick that sends Dakota's head, snapping against. The ring ropes, followed by that usual suplex for the win. A short time later, Saray, impressive per the usual. Dakota Kai is still hearing voices in her head as she confronts Winnie Chu backstage during the show about wins and losses, and Winnie Chu threw that back in her face, saying, "Hey, wins and losses matter, huh? And maybe, just maybe, there'll be a tag team in the women's Dusty Cup in a couple of weeks' time. But as always, we shall see. Next up is the semifinals of the men's Dusty Cup, featuring M.S.K. versus Dejanofe. And Malik Blade, this was a very one-sided match early on as MSK just worked over Malik Blade with Bronco Busters, foot stumps, kicks, just whooped his ass accordingly. Idris had better luck as he had a near fall on Nash Carter with a nice splash after Malik Blade delivered a nasty tope to Wesley on the floor. But before that, MSK double teamed Idris in the corner by doing a tandem foot stomp that crushed Aegis' chest. that had to suck for him. Eventually, MSK do recover, and they hit that blockbuster on Aegis and Nofe for the win to advance to the finals of the 2022 Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic as they will face the Creed Brothers in the finals next Tuesday during NXT's Vengeance Day on Sci Fi. And I really want to see this match up. This is going to be a coming out party for the Creed Brothers. Their biggest match to date. I think they should win. The Dusty Cup, as I think they have unfinished business with Imperium. I wanted the match to happen six months in the future without any prior interactions. But this is a fast track program via NXT 2.0. We have no patience for long term storytelling or booking. So patience be damned in that regard. But it would be a great match if it were to come to pass in the very near future. But MSK will give the Creed brothers the match of their careers next Tuesday. And I cannot wait to see who's going to come out on top with the Dusty Cup for the year 2022. As we get ready for the Women's Dusty Cup in a couple of weeks time back on USA Network. And now it is time for our main event featuring Mandy Rose reigning defending NXT Women's Champion versus Kaylee Ray. Before the match goes underway, we have toxic attraction brawling with Indy Hartwell and Perch Parada backstage. And Mandy's all alone against Kaylee Ray. And Mandy immediately goes for that bicycle knee, but Kayla Ray blocks it and they get into a scrap from there. Mandy takes out Kayla Ray with a nice desk press and she delivers some nice punches and elbows to Kayla Ray. Kayla Ray gets back up and hits a tope on the outside to Mandy a short time later. And one of the best counters of this match was Kayla Ray going for the gory bomb, but is blocked by Mandy hitting a sunset flip instead for a near fall. But Kayla Ray responds with a super kick and a moonsault for a near fall. Mandy hits a spine buster for another near fall And the action goes to the corner with Kayla Ray on the top rope. And behind the referee's back, Gigi Dolan appears. And she knocks Kayla Ray off the top rope. Jessie Jane provides a distraction that keeps the referee occupied a bit. And that allows Manda Rose to hit that bicycle knee on Kayla Ray for the win to retain the NXT Women's Championship. And Toxic Attraction corners Kayla Ray with her baseball bat. And Io Shirai makes a save She delivers a 619 to Jesse Jane and a double springboard drop kick to both members of Toxic Attraction before Mandy Rose goes to attack Io Shirai. Kaylee Ray responds with that Kaylee Ray bomb on Mandy Rose. And apparently... Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray will be teammates setting into the Women's Dusty Cup in a couple of weeks' time on USA. A nice pairing, two very talented women whooping ass and maybe sweeping this entire thing and winning the Dusty Cup, which would be a nice thing to see. But as always, we shall see on NXT 2.0. This was a fine main event between Mandy Rose and Kaylee Ray for the NXT Women's Championship. I'm just struggling to connect with Mandy Rose as champion. Because I remember Mandy Rose on SmackDown a couple of years ago during the height of the empty arena era. And her storyline with Sonya Deville stands out in a good way. They had great material to work with on SmackDown. And Sonya called out Mandy for being all about her looks and for making their team fire and desire all about Mandy right down to her entrance. And Mandy took issue with Sonya's accusations. And I remember Mandy cuts a promo saying, I'm more than my looks. I am more than this. I am more than what you see because I get that all the time. And she cut this promo that was probably her most authentic promo to date in WWE that stripped away all the Mandyisms from years ago. and We got down to the real Mandy Rose. Short bob cut, lighter makeup. She was just herself. And I loved it. And we go back to current day in XT 2.0 and I like Mandy Rose, but the character switch is all about the body. I'm serving body and sex and that's all I'm about. I can work too, but I'm body first. And it's all about the camera angles, the smoke show aspect of it all and i get it it's a way to draw a younger fan base but they're not watching in droves we can get that kind of heat on instagram most of the time i just think this is a different era in wwe where sex no longer sells and if it does it has to happen naturally it has to happen without the camera during the work for Amanda rose she's got to walk into that moment being herself and i don't feel it at all it's all about the male gaze And it's all about, let me look as sexy as possible. Let me make sure I'm in the right frame. Let me pose, pose, pose for the shot. And I don't get anything beyond I'm pretty, I'm hot, I'm sexy. And I know Mandy is more than that via her work on SmackDown in 2020 with nobody in the building. And that was her finest work against Sonya Deville. I want that Mandy back, but we're not going to get that via 2.0, unfortunately, because they're hell bent on having Toxic Attraction be the smoke show of 2.0. And I get it. But to me, the entire presentation of Toxic Attraction feels overproduced and forced. If WWE left Jessie Jane, Gigi Dolan, and Mandy Rose to their own devices, and let them be themselves, this could be a bit more believable. But I don't buy in because you're being told what to do and how to pose and how to act. And that's not coming from a real place. I look at so many ladies that have been a part of WWE for decades, exude that natural sex appeal that is not going to be forced. I remember the days of Kelly Kelly's expose on ECW, and she was completely out of her element. And who can blame her? She was 19 years old. She was a deer caught in the headlights. She didn't know what she was doing, but eventually she got more comfortable as a professional wrestler and not trying to be an exotic dancer. Everybody can't have that swagger when it comes to having that level of sex appeal. It's gotta come from a natural place. It cannot be manufactured. It cannot be overly produced. And most importantly, it cannot be force-fed. And I like the potential of toxic attraction it reminds me of Lay Cool and the beautiful people from Impact Wrestling back in the heyday but it just feels inauthentic and I know all three ladies can offer more than what they're given right now and next Tuesday marks five months to the day of NXT 2.0 debuting on USA and as we approach the six-month mark next month it might be time to reexamine some things, including the presentation of toxic attraction on this show. Because if you think that sex is selling, it's not. The numbers have not budged very much. It started high out of curiosity, then it slowly slid. And when your quarterly specials don't draw as they should, then that's a warning sign that something you're presenting isn't right. And I still stand by what I said, and that 2.0 will be in a better place by June 2022. But When you reach the halfway mark of this experiment, it's now time to make those wholesale changes in terms of what isn't working, what needs tweaking, and what needs to be completely taken away from this show. And I do think an overhaul of toxic attraction needs to take place. I like all three ladies individually. They're talented. But this idea of being a smoke show isn't gelling. It isn't clicking and, quite frankly, is limiting to their true potential that goes beyond the ooh la of it all and with that this wraps up an okay episode of 2.0 it was a nice primer for NXT Vengeance Day going down next Tuesday on Sci-Fi. I'm so surprised by that move by WWE not to wait a week but they want to have that synergy with Valentine's Day alongside with Vengeance Day whatever but hey if you want to eat the rating on a lower rated network go right ahead but it's definitely a risk that I wouldn't take but I'm not WWE so we have a stack lineup for next week including Santos Escobar versus Bomb Break for the nxt championship carmelo hayes defends the nxt north american title against cameron grimes we've got that weaponized steel cage match featuring tony d'angelo versus pete dunn we got the nxt women's tag team titles up for grabs as toxic attraction defend their titles against indy hartwell and Persia parada and we have the finals of the dusty cup featuring msk versus the creed brothers which should be an app absolute blast to watch if everything goes according to plan. And with that, this wraps up episode number 56 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Later Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at WrestleTopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop in the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do such Rest Topia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzz Sprout, iHeartRadio, Situ Radio, Radio TuneIn plus Amazon, Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 51 of the Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. Until then, enjoy your hump day. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.